Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everybody. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ, and welcome to The Spirit of EQ podcast. Today's episode isn't about fish don't talk about water. I know you're wondering, what in the world? Well, it has to do with your learning philosophy, and that's what we're going to talk about. That's what today's episode is all about, learning philosophy. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. After this podcast, listen for a special opportunity to learn more. Joining me, as always, is Jeff East with The Spirit of EQ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Doing great, Eric. I want to say it this way, Jeff, to start. Everyone has a learning philosophy, whether it's good or it's bad or whatever. And I know that's what we're going to talk about today. So tell us a little bit. Let's unwrap what a learning philosophy is. A, a learning philosophy is just your thoughts and habits and actions of how you go about learning something okay uh whether it's in a relationship mm -hmm. learning about the other person whether it's a job function the actual nuts and bolts of doing your job one after 34 years of being a parent uh the philosophy sometimes is i really don't know what i'm supposed to be doing you're not alone you have there's some reflection in that it's just how you go about taking something new whether it's information whatever it is, and integrating it into your life to make a positive change. Positive change. Okay, great. So, hey, let's let's dig in a little deep here around learning and talk about uh, a few, uh, if not more than a few things relating. So, wisdom lives within. Okay. Talk about uh, that. Well, first, Spirit of EQ is a preferred partner of a, of a global company called Six Seconds. Yes. And Six Seconds is very driven that – Everything they do as far as emotional intelligence has to have a learning or a teaching part of it. Okay. And so they've developed a very definite, very usable, but, but pretty impressive way of 
learning. So whenever we would do a uh, a presentation of any kind, we use these philosophies at six uh, Spirit of EQ to do. But these are also things to keep in mind for your own life as you're going about just your daily life. You know, with new things that are happening, new new jobs, new. So it's almost like life management. If in, in a way, yes, because to be truly successful, you do need to be learning all the time. Gotcha. Including learning about yourself. Okay. All right. Okay. Perfect. Great. Thanks for setting that up. I'm I'm leaping back to that one. Okay. Wis- wisdom lives within. How, tell us a little bit about that. When you're dealing with most things other than actual nuts and bolts of, of doing a job, most people have the wisdom in them to, to, to learn this new thing or to do this new thing. It's finding their own answers. Most of us, especially as we get older, we have more life experiences, more things that have happened to us that we probably have what it takes already there. We just need to remember that 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 wisdom we have is inside of us, that it's actually it's there, and so we can tap into that. And I know we're playing on words here again. Mm -hmm. Um, No way is the way. I, I can't even begin to wonder, but tell us a little bit about that. When we're learning... Or when we're teaching, we need to remember that everybody processes things differently. So I'm going to process a new situation differently than you do. Absolutely. And that's fine. There's nothing right or wrong. We're all unique individuals. That's how we were made. So we need to remember that. You need to figure out what is the way for me? What is, how do I bring in information? When I'm dealing with somebody else, you know, Eric, if I'm, if we're going to go buy a company car together, I'm intuitive thinker, possibly you're the nuts and bolts thinker. So mm-hmm. I need to understand what works for you. For me, it's a pretty blue. Okay. That's the car we need. For you, you might want to know the gas mileage and uh, insurance and all this stuff. I'm not saying you're that kind of a person, just using the example. No, I got you. I got you. But yeah, so it's it's learning that everyone is unique and there's no one way to either give learning, which is teaching, or mm-hmm. to absorb it. Yeah, because you put yourself in a position in, in your example where it, it, it the smart way or the smart pathway is getting understanding of that individual and their learning and their way mm-hmm. their style is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The process is the content. That sounds very deep to me, Jeff, by the way. If I just hammer somebody with the facts and figures, stuff they might need to know, that is just stuff. It's how you go about it. The process you use to, once again, teach or once again learn is the important thing. It's not the actual information so much. It's like you're you're teaching someone to learn. So that's, that's the important yeah. thing. Yeah, that's great. I There's a young man that I'm mentoring right now, and he's in the process of interviewing for various job positions. And I told him not more than a week ago the importance of telling or relaying information in story form versus just spitting out data and facts. And that that's how a number of people can... Um, where you can get greater buy-in. So your points are, are on mark. I love pasta, Jeff. Okay. I know you're probably wondering why am I mentioning that I love pasta? <laughs> well, I see here there's this one, two, three pasta 
Does that mean you're going to cook pasta for me later? Or? Oh, maybe you can stop by. Oh, I think good. I've got some. Yeah, we can probably come okay. together. But but that's probably not what you're no, talking no, about no, here, no. right? Okay. No, I can take the idea of making pasta. Okay, I can figure that out. You mm-hmm. you get some water, maybe you put a little bit of salt in it, a little yep. bit of oil. Mm-hmm. You heat it up and you get it boiling, and then you dump the pasta in there and you get pasta. That doesn't happen until. I actually get a pot, put it on the stove, fill it with water, mm-hmm. put some oil in it maybe, a little bit of salt, and put the pasta in there and cook it. So you actually have to put into action what you're learning. Mm. You can't just have it in your head. You actually have to take it and put it out there. example I like is years ago when I was learning to play bass. I uh, didn't learn it until I was in my 40s, so mm-hmm. I was an older student. I got to talking with my bass instructor, who's also a guitar struck instructor, and I got forced into playing the bass even though I wanted to because I was part of a, a praise and worship team at, at our church, and they found out I always was interested in playing bass. They go, we need a bass player. You're going to learn to play the bass and play bass with us. So, <laughs> Truly drafted. <laughs> yes. So... I had a place that I was going to go, and I had a goal of, I'm going to do this. But he he was kind of lamenting that he had some mainly guitar students that were extremely good guitar students, and he's the only person that's ever heard them play the guitar. Oh, my. They never shared it. And I agree with him. That talent never became a real thing unless you shared it. You took these people, would you know, take what they learned, and share it with somebody to complete what music is, because music is a shared thing. It's interesting. In one of our recent episodes about failure, I, I, I sometimes wonder if that fear of failure, the fear of how you'll be a, you'll be perceived, mm-hmm. limits people. Not just obviously in guitar playing situations, but from the things that we learn, why we maybe don't put it into action. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just the, it's just the idea of you got to do something with it. it it's just an intellectual exercise until you do something. Okay, I started off the program with this wonderful little line, fish don't talk about water. <laughs> okay, Jeff, why don't fish talk about water? Or how does that apply? Fish are surrounded by water. This is true. <laughs> okay, so unless there's something weird going on with the water, it's not salty enough, it's too salty enough, they don't talk about it. We're the same way with the weather. Or air. Let's just say air. If you're sitting in a room like we are right now and the, the temperature's okay and there's not a breeze and, you know, we're not getting any strange odors wafting into the room, how much have we talked about the air today? It's the idea of we need to make, be aware of those things. That's part of the learning or the teaching is bring out the stuff that we're so used to that we don't do anything with it. You might have Somebody might be so deeply involved in a home situation mm-hmm. that it's now become their air. It stays the same, and so they don't talk about it, even though it could be some kind of a, you know, an, an illness that somebody has that nobody wants to talk about it because it's just now be, be part of, became part of the atmosphere. So you need to bring up sometimes these things that should be obvious that aren't. That's part of the learning. And that's part of a teacher's job. On the other end of it is the you know the old you know, elephant in the room kind of a thing. Yeah. The next one I think is 
maybe somewhat obvious, less of a play on words. Emotions drive people. Tell us a little bit about that. When emotions are identified, figured out what their purpose, you know, their name, they're identified as to their purpose, then you can use them to drive. If you have the emotion of wanting to succeed, okay, so you take that emotion and go, for me to succeed, that's going to lead me to these other things. I need to maybe get an advanced degree or maybe I need to be willing to maybe do a little overtime when the boss asks or mm-hmm. or or whatever those are. Right. So it's it's the idea of taking the emotion and then using that emotion to drive what you want to do. And then once again the other side of that is the teacher needs to learn how to recognize what is driving their student. And I, I, when I talk about teacher and student, there's the classroom part about it, but I'm talking more about one-on-one in daily life, you know, in your in your job, things like that. Not necessarily, you know, uh, sending like a, a classroom, class. yeah, with multiple Which is, people. But I'm talking about more of how you use that. So you have someone that in your family that wants to uh, that it would be good for them to learn to drive, and they don't want to. I had one of those. Because we wanted her to learn to drive because she was a responsible young lady. And if she could learn to drive, we wouldn't have to be going out at 11 o'clock at night at curfew and pick her up at her friend's house. <laughs> so Selfish motivations sometimes are a good thing. So we had to tap into the emotion of independence. It's like, okay, if you learn to drive, this, this, and this will happen. So use that, you know, the emotion of being independent with a coworker. I know you want to succeed, so let's tap into that. The power that you're wanting to succeed is so we can move to those next steps. Your next step is, okay, you need to complete this certification. You know, that's a $5 an hour raise just doing that as an example. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so learning to tap into what is driving that person. Gotcha. And if we don't do that, even on ourselves, you're not going to succeed. As a bit of a transition point, I know for me, my motivation for learning is typically driven by my desire for change. And I know that doesn't necessarily mean that all learning is rooted around that, but I think that's quite frankly, uh-huh. it's kind of implied in many ways. So let's talk a little bit about that, about learning for change, maybe at a high level, and then we can dig deeper into some of the okay. principles. Six seconds uses this philosophy of, of, of learning for change, just like you said, mm-hmm. and they've developed a change map. And just uh, to uh, point out, ladies and gentlemen, on the website for the Spirit of EQ, you can go to the resources page and see a graphic of the uh, change map, which you might find helpful. So go ahead, Jeff. So uh, they've created this change map change map framework. Okay. And it is, it's circular, and it's got a lot of little things in it that will be really hard to describe over with a podcast, so that's right. why looking at it might be a good idea. Yeah. But the basic of it is three sections of this of the big circle that go that rotate or you work through. The first one is engage and mm-hmm. then activate and then reflect. Okay. So we used an example of, of how we use that in a classroom kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. We have an exercise we use with when we're working with a group of people called the cube. The cube it's not fun to do, but it's really fun to observe. And what, you, <laughs> what you do is, and even if you down the road 
are involved with one of their trainings and we do it, I'm not going to get, you know, I'm not giving anything away. Okay. You want, perfect. You, no, so, no spoiler alert. No spoiler. But what it is is you're, each, each group is divided up. Uh, the group is divided up into five or six people possibly and they're giving this bag and in this bag are a bunch of PVC pipes with the angles, you know, where the, the angle connecting. And yep. their goal is they have to make a freestanding cube. But there's a spatial thing in there, and the cube has to stand on one of the points. It just can't sit flat on the floor. Okay. And then after they build it, each team member team member has to get through it, and then they succeed. Interesting. Okay. And so we use that. There's just, there, there are so many things that we use that for. But that's that's the engage. We give them the instructions. So then we go start. So now they've activated. Mm-hmm. They're actually doing it. Yep. And, and when that happens, you start seeing all the different learning styles, leadership styles, frustration levels. Mm-hmm. You know, are they excited to do this? Are they standing off by the side going, this is really stupid? You just see all that kind of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And then when we get done with it, we do the last step, which is the reflect. We talk, let them talk about how, tell me about this, you know, who did what? Why? Why did Sarah jump right in there and Bill's over on the corner with his hand on his chin going, maybe there's a better way? Mm-hmm. Or you know, how, what emotions were you feeling? How did you feel when you got it done? Mm-hmm. How did you feel when you the last person was going through it and knocked it over and you had to start over? So that's the reflect. And in, in our real lives, you engage. I want to play the bass. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I've engaged. That's what I want to do. So I activate it. So then I learn to play the bass. Right. And then I reflect on, you know, how well am I doing? Is, is this going the way I want? You know, do I need to spend more time with it? Mm -hmm. And in the case of kind of what we talked about before, the reflect is I need to make this real. Where can I go play? That's the learning philosophy, the, the change map that we use. And there's a whole lot of things about the dynamics in it that you really can't get into here. But that is is what it is. What are some of the tips you might want to throw out to the audience for learning? What are some things you would say, hey, here's some things you can do that maybe increase or help? I'm going to just mention four of them real quick. Okay. And they might not make sense, but they do. First is Approach it with humor. That is a very, that's a part of me. My dad did that. My sense of humor comes from him, so you can blame him for that. Okay. Because uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of warped and luckily over the years I've, I've got to the point where I only share about 10% of what I think. So that's probably good for everyone, including me. <laughs> but, but use some humor in it. When you're learning, if you're teaching, you know, make it fun. I work with some some inner city kids, and I always start with something that's going to get them engaged mm-hmm. with with it because it's going to be fun. But I don't have any you know easy answers. But how can you make learning fun, humorous? Uh, one of the things is is when you're in the process of learning, mm-hmm. is if you mess up, have the uh, ability to <laughs> kind of laugh about it. There's a, a great lady named Jeannie Robertson mm-hmm. that I, I might have mentioned before. She's She's not a motivational speaker. She's not a comedian. Comedian. She's not a storyteller, but she is. She was Miss North Carolina in the sixties. She's six foot three. This tall, 
very elegant lady, but she always talks about humor in everything. Yeah. If you can have the attitude of humor in, in what's going on, even in failures, I'm going to tell a really, really quick story yeah, that she shared. She, When you became part of the beauty pageant world, once your reign is over, you get get half to, however she puts it, to be judges. And she was judging a beauty contest out in some little tiny town someplace. And during the talent part of the show, this young lady was going to do put, uh, baton twirling to some music. Well, she they got out in the middle of the stage and she threw the baton way up in the air and it got caught in the curtains. So she had to decide right then how she was going to handle it. And she handled it with humor. She just kept going. <laughs> she didn't have a baton anymore. She just kept going. And at one point she danced over to the edge of the stage and acted like somebody gave her another one. <laughs> and, She's throwing it up in the air and flinging them under her legs, and you hear people in the audience goes, "She's doing it so fast, I can't even see them." <laughs> That's good. Okay. That's good. And she brought down the house even when people realized what had happened. But she handled that with humor. She goes, "I'm going with this. This is this 18 year old, you know, teenage girl that decided I don't care." So you know, as as we're on this humor thing, because I, I think. Humor gets relegated sometimes to the back, right? Because we tend to think it's really trivial. But mm -hmm. there are some things that it does for us from a brain and body perspective too, right, Jeff? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's not all just to make you feel better and, and you know, just lightheartedness, right? You know, you've heard the old expression, laughter is the best medicine. Yeah. A good laugh is as, you know, is as healthy for you as, you know, mile walk or whatever. Yeah, there is, there are physical things that happen. And those chemicals that are dumped into your brain, into your body when you're laughing, are good for you. Yeah. They're, they're, the, they're the ones that, that you want to have. And I think the other thing about humor, if you can truly go into it with humor, you're not going to take yourself so seriously that you become paralyzed if you fail. Yeah, and I think it maybe soothes the failure a bit, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're able to see it in its proper perspective. And even excuse me, when you're in front of people teaching – leading a class you you want to be perfect but once like i said we're not nope. you're going to screw up yep how do you handle that if you just go i did it everybody saw me do it they know we're going to do it laugh about it and move on one you've diffused it and two i think you've made a deeper connection with the person maybe one last thing on the tip side i really wanted to okay. throw out your way this idea of choice i think that's pretty powerful how does that uh connect Choice is deciding that you're going to learn. You have to decide that learning this new thing, whether it's a new job skill, learning how to interact with people, mm -hmm. uh, a hobby, you have to make the choice with the idea of this result that I'm going to get is going to make all this worthwhile. In really any situation, if you're trying to force change onto someone, it's not going to work. Yeah. They might conform they might go through the motions. You might conform if you're, if you're forcing yourself into a change, but you've not really learned anything. You're, you're developing probably a pattern of rebellion in that some way, mm -hmm. a pattern of I'm only doing this because, and you don't want that. You want to have I'm doing this because. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's, that's the choice. 
ideas around questioning and the importance of that in this process of the learning philosophy. Can you talk a little bit about that, Jeff? Okay. Uh, just a few. Ask questions that matter. Curiosity is a, is a very important part of our lives. And I think sometimes we get that taken away from us because if you're curious about something, you want to learn about something, people are going to think, well, maybe they already should have known that mm. or whatever it is. But, but being curious about things is how we learn, especially being curious about things that are important to you. And also, when I'm working with someone with one of the debriefs and one of the assessments, one of the things I always tell them is there might be some things in this that you're not going to like. But what I want you to keep is an attitude of curiosity. So why is it that I said this about myself? Or if it's one right. of the 360s, yeah. what was that person really saying? They, they they took the time to do this for me. So they're not doing it to attack me, but they said this. So why did they say that about me? So keep the curiosity going, and that's where you get the questions that matter. I think about um, there's so much written about Leonardo da Vinci, and that was one of his areas that they always attributed to. He was infinitely curious about so many different things. And I mean, obviously the results are kind of obvious, but any other in that realm of questioning okay. that you would throw out? You know, pace your questions. Take when you ask a question or when you're asked a question, mm -hmm. take a little bit of time to, to think about that question before you go on. So just, you know, pace it out. You know, you're not in a race. One of the th terms we used in coaching are powerful questions. It's the questions that might stop the conversation or might stop the classroom because it's a powerful question and everybody goes, oh, yeah, I haven't thought about that. Mm -hmm. So you want to have these, I hadn't thought about these questions. And then the next one is ask one good question and wait. You know, we, in today's world, especially, we hate silence. We have to fill it up with something and mostly, most of the time it's, what is it that Penny on Big Bang says about Leonard or about Sheldon? Jibber-jabber. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. So we want to avoid the jibber-jabber. So ask ask a good question and wait. Let that silence, you know, make people think about it. This next one doesn't really apply so much on individual, but, you know, preload the question. If it's going to be a difficult question, maybe give them a couple smaller ones that are there to to get them ready. And it's the same way. I guess, yeah, with yourself, you've got a big question. I'm going to make a career change. So you might want to preload that with what, what financial things do I need to think about? Mm -hmm. uh, how's this going to affect my family life? Mm -hmm. some, some easier questions before you finally get to that question, am I going to change careers? I, I went through that with retiring from my old job and moving into this. Yeah. I had to answer some of those other questions first, mm -hmm. and that, that works. And then reflect, not judge. Judging is you've made a decision, so it's really no sense talking about it or thinking about it anymore. Reflecting is when you take the time to actually weigh the options, weigh the, the answers. Are there more questions I need to ask? If you've judged, you're done. It's That's very um, – that's a great point, uh, Jeff, because – in judging, you limit your opportunities mm -hmm. and your your possibilities, right? Yeah, you're you're locked in. Have you ever watched a professional, well, any any good baseball player, watch their hands on the bat while they're waiting on the pitch? Their hands, their fingers are moving. 
Wonderful analogy. Yes. Because when they lock in, if they're grabbing that bat so hard, they've now shut down all, in this case, physical strength that they can come from their forearms and their wrists and their hands because it's already locked in. If you do that when you're doing a decision thing, you've locked in all those other resources you have. So you kind of keep, keep, you've got to keep moving and reflecting and, and being prepared that way. And certainly there's a time to have a strong grip and to judge. Yeah. And that's what they do when they bat yeah. the ball. You know, you'll see them, but until they're, till that ball is wow. almost there and they've made the decision to swing, they've kept all those muscles ready because if a muscle's tensed, it can't do anymore. If your brain is tensed, it can't do anymore. Well, Jeff, I think that brings us to the conclusion, if I'm not mistaken, yep. for today. I really appreciate your time, as always, and the insights. And this, again, is Eric Pennington with the Spirit of EQ and the Spirit of EQ podcast. Take care, everyone. Thank you much. Thanks for subscribing and listening to the Spirit of EQ podcast with Jeff East and Eric Pennington. Spirit of EQ is a preferred partner of Six Seconds, the Emotional Intelligence Network. Six Seconds is a nonprofit organization researching what works in emotional intelligence. Best practices are shared through methods and tools that are global, scientific, and transformational. To find out more about Spirit of EQ or to request a speaker, go to spiritofeq.com. Our contact information is in the podcast show notes as well. And now for our special offer. Hi, this is Jeff again. I just want to let everybody know that if you have any questions or want more information about anything we've talked about, just send me a quick email. My email is jeff at spiritofeq.com, and I'll get right back with you. Thanks. Circle270media.com Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So to we're, hear. we're not the perfect podcast host. We're close. Okay, all but, right, but, but not, still, not totally. We want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media: LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based, 
and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.